Hey guys, TJ here. God put it on my heart to talk about money in this season. I think that's interesting because Jesus talks about money often, not because he cares so much about money, but because he cares about the heart. And we're told where your treasure is, your heart will be. And most people, the reality is most people treasure money. Now, I've had a wild story when it comes to money, and we'll dig into some of that in this season. Um, This is, is really about just helping you in your relationship with money, this is not about helping you get rich quick. This is not about helping you um, see the gospel through a prosperity, financial prosperity lens. That's not what this is about. Um, it's not about practical budgeting tips, um, but we're going to be talking about a lot of different things that involve your mindset, uh, your attitude towards money, beliefs that you might have had, and some practicals. Um, you're going to hear from people who share uh, their wisdom. Um, You're going to hear some of the things that have really helped them, and you're going to hear some testimony of just how God has changed people's relationship with money. And I think that all of us can benefit from that, but I think that there's a specific time for us to to be paying attention to this. I think there's uh, a lot of wealth creation happening right now at a very fast pace, and there's not a lot of character as a foundation. Um, So anyway, all of that to say... I hope you get value. Thanks so much for being here. I appreciate you. And why? Because this is not about perfection. This is not about having it all together. This is not about being completely uh, 100% in alignment with, you know, everything that that, uh, God has designed us to, to be, to have, to do. What this is, is this is really about getting our heart right and growth. And and one of the things I like to tell people is that I'm not committed to perfection. Um, I'm committed to the growth process. And there's a lot of grace in that. I think people can really beat themselves up when it comes to this topic, Um, whether they feel shame, guilt, uh, all kinds of things stemming from their upbringing. So maybe, maybe if we, you know, get to the starting point of that. Like if we can just dive into some basic questions and real quick, I just want to say hi to everybody who's joining from YouTube um, and Facebook, and we appreciate you guys being here. So we want to hear your questions. Um, But, you know, Hannah, the first question for me is just a really simple one is like, did you come from a wealthy background in your upbringing? Because everybody starts at a different point. And honestly, you didn't choose where you started. So it's just important to acknowledge what that starting point is for yourself. Did you come from a wealthy background? Um, I would say I came from a middle-class background. Um, I came from a place where uh, in our house, um, you know, we, we didn't always go on a vacation every year. I don't think I even went to the beach until I was like 21 or something. Um, I grew up in the Midwest and, um, you know, it never felt like, um, we were like in poverty or anything like that, but, um, I did grow up in a home where, um, everything that we bought was intentional. And, um, from a very young age, we were taught that, um, you have to work hard to get the things that you want, um, that, um, you know, work involves sacrifice and not everything is just given to you in life. And, um, you know, we didn't expect things just given to us either. Our parents always made us work for things. I think I had like my first job when I was 10 
officially. I was babysitting in our neighborhood. And uh, even before that, I was always like hustling. And uh, I had a number of Kool-Aid stands <laughs> growing up, um, like every single summer from the time I was like five or six or something. Um, so yeah, I think it was instilled in us at a very young age that we needed to work hard. And, um, you know, things didn't always come super easy. Uh, but we also had plenty in our home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's an important concept is like the value of hard work, but you still had what you needed. And, um, and, and you know, like I think there's, everyone has a, a level of privilege that they're born with, whatever that privilege is, whatever that privilege is. And I think it's important to recognize, you know, some of the privileges that we are born with, but also not feel guilty for them. And, um, and I think it's more about being grateful for what we have. And if I were to like share a starting point for somebody's walk with the Lord and, and even like learning how to translate that into your, your relationship with money is like, man, you can feel guilty that God gave you something you didn't deserve, or you can feel grateful that he gave you something you didn't deserve, which is our savior. <laughs> and I think the same is true about privileges we're born with. And what you're talking about is a privilege of being born with not being in need. Um, and also being taught the value of hard work from a young age. But with that comes a lot of different phrases, ideologies, things that we inherit. I call it our non-financial inheritance, which we've talked about, right? And it's this idea of, you know, we have inheritance in the form of money that people can leave to their children, parents can leave to their children. But we also have inheritance uh, in the form of ways of thinking uh, and speaking and behaving that are non-financial and they can be positive or negative or renewing or depleting. And so just when you think about all cases, when it comes to the topic of money, I think this is a really good thought exercise for everybody who's listening. But when you think about some of the common phrases, some of the common phrases, it doesn't have to be from parents, but even just the things that you remember hearing when you heard the money discussion happening, it could have been in church setting, in school setting, home setting, what were some common phrases that kind of shaped your perspective of money that you, that you can look back to? Um, yeah, I think some of the things um, that come to mind are, you know, if you want that, you got to work hard for it. Um, we were told that a lot. You want that, work hard for it. Um, it wasn't often said, um, we don't have enough. It was more of that's expensive. Um, that was often said, and um, I think it was commented on, like, if someone did come from a lot of money or privilege, uh, or privilege in our eyes at least, um, it's, uh, I think that was sometimes brought up, like, oh, well, they do have a lot of money, you know, and, um, you know, th that's their family, our family looks different. Um, you know, just because that person is going to that summer camp or, you know, they got new shoes or new clothes or something like that, you know, good for them. But, um, you know, that doesn't mean that you're going to get that too. So I think it was always, um, these things are not expected. Um, and you always have to work hard for it. So I think those were some of the phrases and things that came up in, in our household. And also too, um, you know, my dad, he went back to school when we were young and even, went away for a couple of years to go back to school and um, because of work and stuff. And so I think I saw that from a very young age that um, my dad specifically and my mom had to make a lot of sacrifices for the things that we had and for 
the lifestyle that they were providing us. And I think from a very young age, um, there was uh, this mindset that I am really grateful and I see them working. And um, also like, I was like, I'm not gonna ask them for anything. You know, I, I never wanna ask them for things um, that would put them in an uncomfortable situation or make me seem like I wasn't grateful. So I think there was some of that and that mindset and that mentality too. Um, all that to say though, I'm like so thankful for my parents and for the lifestyle and for all the things that they have given me and the sacrifices they've made. It's been incredible, um, because both of them, you know, didn't come from a background of a lot of money, specifically my dad. Um, he went on to college, um, because he had the GI bill cause he went to the Navy first. And so I think, um, a lot of those conversations from very young, um, told me that, you know, you got to work hard for anything that you want. And um, if you have a dream, you better pursue it. Um, it's not just going to be handed to you. Yeah. And I love how you just, I mean, you're honoring your parents is what you're doing. And I think there's a difference between having manners. Not, I think there is a difference between having manners and having honor. And it's true. It's, it's very obvious that your true intentions are to honor your parents and recognize the sacrifice that they made and also what they gave you and the value of the things that they instilled in you, discipline, hard work, and those things. And at the same time, we also have things that we're growing in each individually. And so as you think about maybe even how, and by the way, you know this, the enemy will use things that are, that are good and he'll twist them and make them uh, these unhealthy motivators in our lives, right? So for example, my parents... Uh, living a life of sacrifice in many ways or regards, and then twisting that and making it something, a motivator in my life where I choose to then never ask, become a burden. Uh, I, I choose to earn everything. Tell me about like how that mentality, and I'm just giving you, I'm, this is my own personal example and story, but also through <laughs> a lot of conversations with people, of course. And tell me about how that, if you saw that kind of mindset uh, translate into even like your work ethic and your motivation in life? Yeah, that's really good. Um, I think from um, that young age, it was like, oh, I'm never going to ask someone for something. And a huge part of my journey and my walk with faith, even in my walk with the Lord has been receiving and learning to receive and learning that like, um, I don't have to give anything in exchange for the love that the Lord gives me. And that's pretty like mind blowing. <laughs> I think coming from that mindset of like, you have to earn everything um, through works or actions or proving yourself in some manner. Um, so I think that has been a huge um, turning point um, and something I'm always growing in. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's always a journey, but I think, um, you know, when thinking about like career choices or what I wanted to do, um, with my life, when it came to how I was going to earn my way for me, it was like, what can I do that can make me the most money? Um, that was the biggest, uh, thing for me when considering a career in college. And, um, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Joplin, Missouri. Um, you know, this, area um is is definitely blue collar and um you know some of the only people that actually are well off um are ones that are in the medical field and um 
And so, uh, you know, for me, I thought I was going to go into medicine the first couple of years in college um, because that's all I knew. Those were the only people that I knew that, um, you know, were doing well in life. And uh, I quickly found that that wasn't um, the path I wanted to take. And, uh, you know, through a series of meeting other people and, and just kind of getting exposed a little bit more to the world, I found myself in a sales career um, because it was commission based, no cap. You could make as much as um, as as you wanted, but you had to work hard for it. And I think even when I was in that career, um, it was never good enough. I, I was always like, I got to do more. I got to do more. Um, and uh, and that pressure also comes with commission sales, you know, and there's always uh, here's the bar, but it keeps going, getting higher and higher. Um, and so I never felt fully satisfied in that one because, you know, it wasn't really the calling on my life, even though there were a lot of talents that I had, I think that helped me in that career. Um, but it was also this mindset that was like, I, it's never enough, you know, I can never quit There's, you know, there's gotta be more. Um, and that kept me on this, like uh, hamster wheel, uh, constantly just, um, trying to prove myself and be better and, uh, and just not being able to sit sometimes in peace. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, all the way back to your question, um, I think some of that mindset from my childhood spilled over into um, my career. And, you know, even even at times now, you know, it's like, am I going to be enough? Um, I think that's it's always a, a journey and something I'm working on to receive. Yeah. So it's, you've touched on so many important things and guys, if you're listening and this is really helpful to you, if you're resonating one, just type in the chat, let us know if something's resonating with you, because I think it's so helpful sometimes to even just see an, an, an agreement like, wow, okay. I'm not the only one who's experienced this kind of wrestle of recognizing that I have been driven maybe from an unhealthy motivation and I've been rewarded for it and find myself lacking peace, but in conflict because I'm rewarded and I can actually achieve. And I think a lot of people find themselves in that wrestle when they come from that place of uh, recognizing that there's something in their being that longs for more than this, this, um, this thing that they can receive from money earned. And what you're talking about in this, in this idea of, um, of receiving is very different than, than receiving through earnings. So tell me a little bit about, you know, when you're talking about this in the context of learning how to receive for the freedom that you've been given and not feeling like you needed to earn that, um, or letting go of the need to earn that versus learning how to receive because you put in hard work and input of one plus one equals two. Can you describe the difference between receiving when it comes to that that small nuance and and really like it's a revelation of God's love for you? Yeah. Um, I think what I've realized, you know, just from growing in relationship with the Lord is that, you know, to love someone comes with zero expectation of anything in return. And that sounds so basic, <laughs> but, um, at the same time, it's, it's just really, um, 
been paradigm shattering for me um, because it's like, I don't have to do anything. I am simply loved because, um, because I am like, just because I'm made in God's image, because I'm here on this earth that I don't have to do anything to achieve that love. Um, just by simply being me, um, not doing anything, um, to, to get that or to achieve that, or it's not, it's not a transaction. You know, I was in sales for so long. Um, you do this, I do that, you know, it's this relationship of, of transaction and, um, tit for tat, but, when it comes to the Lord, it's like, he just gives to us. He died for us because he loved us. And, um, and he gives us free will. Like we don't even have to love him back in return. I mean, he wants us to, but like, he gives us the free will that we can choose not to. Um, and, uh, so I, I think, you know, that's just been a huge part of my journey of receiving and, um, that shift and, and my mindset has opened up a lot of other doors because I know inherently that I am loved and there's nothing that I have to do to achieve that. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is you're going from this place of, uh, you know, transaction mindset where if I put in this, then I get that. Right. And that's a, that's, here's the crazy part about that is that's part of God's design. Like those are principles of God's design for us to understand how to navigate this world, laws of gravity, right lift, drag, all these things, I need to understand those if I want to fly. But at the same time, God has this thing that lives outside of the principles of his design, and it's called his love, that is not transactional, it is relational. And I think people have a hard time articulating that difference of what you just described, of going from earning and receiving through earning to uh, relationship and receiving through saying yes to Jesus and accepting the love that he's given. And it's a recognition that actually I'm undeserving and Jesus still died for me and I still get to receive him. And it's out of that place. This is the crazy part is it's out of that place of relationship that I actually desire to change because I have this understanding that there's nothing expected in return, that there's no transaction, that it's, that it's a true, wow, I couldn't do this myself. And that love that I experience and receive, that I get to accept in my life, it actually has the power to change me. And so like, I think one of the things that one of the things that's really important we talked about just before we, we hopped on and started going live, one of the things that's really important is this idea of like not intellectualizing this whole thing, right? And, and going more for like, it's the encounter that really changes people because Jesus talked about money in, in so many parables, but he didn't care about money. He cared about our heart and where your treasure is, your heart will be. And so he wanted to get to our heart and a lot of people treasure money. And so for me, one of the things I've seen in my own life and even just with, with other people kind of walking them through this journey of, you know, navigating really mindset changes that sometimes have an impact on the relationship with money is I've seen like the power of encounter versus intellectualizing this whole thing. And, and I know just in, in your story, how important 
the power of encounter has been. So one, can you maybe just like describe what encounter means to you? You know, cause that's language that people might have different language for And Number two, like at what point did you go from, from this kind of transaction? What was the moment or memory from this transaction to like, wow, it's actually, it's way different than I've been taught. Um, and, and I might have a different perspective about money as a result. Yeah. Uh, so first encounter, I'll, I'll guess, I guess I'll approach that. So yeah, I guess sometimes there's like Christianese language that we use that um, can sometimes be um, isolating or exclusive or like, what does that mean? <laughs> and when I say encounter, um, what I'm saying is, is basically I had, um, you know, this experience um, with the Lord um, that is specific and u- unique to me in my relationship with Jesus. And um, in this particular encounter, the best way, I guess, to describe an encounter is is to tell you about my story. Is, um, you know, I was working with TJ and I was going through the boot camp and um, I had a lot of options um, that I was weighing in front of me. And I was really going deep into like, what's my calling? What's my purpose? I was feeling um, just kind of lost and, and I was in my sales career. And, um, you know, I was working with TJ and, uh, we had this call and, um, TJ was helping me through. And basically I had, uh, these different job opportunities in front of me and one was really great. Uh, you know, I was going to get paid more. I was going to have unlimited vacation, all these things. And yet I didn't have peace about it. And all along I was kind of like, you know, is it that I need to change my job, my career? Is that going to bring me happiness? Um, but I felt deep, deep down that like that wasn't the answer to the question. And uh, so I was working through this with TJ on the phone and uh, on on the phone, we were having this conversation and it's kind of like uh, I kind of uh, just kind of zoomed out a little bit. Um, and in my mind, I had... Um, this vision. And so for me, encounters look a lot like God is speaking to me through a vision. I I get like flashes of things and it's my imagination. Um, But, you know, what I've learned about the imagination is that, you know, the Lord designed my imagination and everything in this world is is part of his creation. And so um, when I get these images and these visions, um, for me, these are part of the encounters that I get with the Lord. And so anyway, in this vision, this encounter that I had, um, I saw God and he's sitting across a table from me, this big table. And um, I had this pot of gold. And in my mind, I pushed this pot of gold across the table to him. And in return, he gave me back um, these shackles. And, um, you know, he was giving me back these handcuffs, these golden handcuffs. Um, but the, the shackles also kind of linked over to um, what looked like a pocket watch. So he's giving me back um, freedom of time and just freedom. And so for me, that was what an encounter looked like um, and felt like. And I can't describe it other than the fact that it like changed something in my brain. I felt like I was rewired right then and there. And without a doubt, without any question, I was like, I'm not taking that job. Like you can't um, get me to trade money for happiness or, or money for what I think is going to lead to happiness, um, because something just shifted. And, um, that's the only way that I can describe it. And for me, that's my personal encounter. Um, but I, I know in my heart and I know, um, from so many people, uh, 
that you can have an encounter too. You know, your encounter might look different from the way that I encountered the Lord, but God, he, Jesus, like Holy Spirit, he's so relational. He knows you inside and out. He'll speak to you in ways that are so unique to you. He'll give you visions and dreams. He'll, he'll use numbers if that's what, you know, um, if that's the way he speaks to you, he'll, he'll encounter you even through other people, through relationships. Someone will bring up something that you've been praying about that doesn't even make sense that how they know that, why they say that. Um, and so I just want to encourage you guys, like when it comes to encounters, um, to believe that and, um, to seek it. And he always says, you know, um, if you seek me, you'll find me. And so just want to encourage you guys, you know, if, if you're seeking the Lord, when it comes to direction for your life, if you're seeking the Lord, just in general, if you never even heard the voice of the Lord. You're like, what does that even mean? Just pray about it. Um, start, start looking for it and start asking God, like, I want to hear your voice and he will speak to you, but it'll be in a way that's super specific to you. Yeah. I just even right now, I, I sense like, Hannah, your story is so powerful. And it's funny because I know the magnitude of the trajectory change that it's led to in your life. And it's funny because yeah. people can listen to you now and they're like, Oh, that's a cool story, Hannah wild. But like, there was so much that happened after that moment that like you had no idea what that no there would mean and and the opportunity space that that would create for you to say yes to all these other things and also the faith that would be required of you that God requires of you but first gave to you he gave to you and then asked it of you, gave you the faith and then asked you to use it. And, mm -hmm. and the process and journey that then took place, I just want to like highlight, I know Hannah's sharing this moment, this encounter moment, and it sounds like, oh, cool story that, you know, maybe I've had that, maybe I've heard of people who have that, maybe I don't believe that. But what is more important, I think, is not some really like, powerful picture moment, but it's the actual fruit of somebody's life. And, you know, Hannah, if you kind of looked at then the last three years almost, and you looked at kind of the fruit of your life, maybe a few of the changes that have happened and some of the, the actual practical, tangible changes you felt in your life. I mean, first of all, you just being here, you're like, you're such a person of peace. And I think that alone, like somebody showing up, watching, listening and saying, wow, I just have like peace around this whole thing. I don't feel like, I feel like I can put my shoulders down. I feel like I can be myself. I mean, to me, that's one example, right? But what are some other examples of the changes that then took place and then the fruit of your life that you saw start to show up and become evident? <laughs> um. So that was like a mindset shift that led to a lot of other yeses and nos. And so fast forward a couple of years, it's like, I've quit my job. <laughs> um, I've said no to all kinds of like crazy job offers that are like nuts. And, um, and I have peace about it. That's the thing. I don't have any regret. I don't, I don't mind saying no because I, I just have this, this crazy undescribable um piece and that's the only way i can say it but um and you say nuts yeah. like nuts is in great opportunity financially what do you mean nuts 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess financially. And so when I say nuts, like it's like, yeah, the I sometimes I think back, I'm like, man, the old me, like there's so many things that have changed in the last couple of years. I'm like, what in the world? And that's the thing, like God, like the Lord like changes you from the inside out. Um, and so yeah, I, I ended up um, going on and um, getting certified to be a um, yoga teacher from a Christian perspective. Um, I ended up quitting my job. Like I said, left everything behind. I uh, had a great little apartment in Kansas City on the plaza, which is like this like nice area in town. And um, God called me to just leave it and give stuff away and just go. And then I've been nomadic um, actually now over two years. Uh, and felt a lot of peace about that, even though it's kind of crazy. <laughs> um, throughout so, the pandemic. Um, throughout the pandemic, yeah, I've lived in Ukraine, Dominican Republic, uh, Malaysia, Thailand, most recently Costa Rica, um, been to Bali, and yeah, God called me on this crazy thing called the world race. Um, so a lot of that travel involved uh, the world race, which was um, this 11-month mission trip to 11 different countries around the world. So, I mean, I started it at the beginning of 2020. The pandemic happens. I, I landed back in my parents' basement. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> like, God, you called me to do this thing, like give up all these things. And, um, and now here I am without a plan. And it's been wild because, um, you know, formally, formerly, I was like always someone that had a plan that had, you know, one, two, five, 10 year plan with everything um, just etched out. And now I really, <laughs> I walk a lot by faith. I don't know where I'm going next. I'm actually in a season right now where I have no clue where I'm going next. And and yet I have peace about it. Um, God keeps, you know, organizing my steps. And uh, I think one of the biggest learning lessons from this whole thing is that um, he's just come through. The Lord has come through with provision. Um, he's come through in ways that I could never even imagine. And I've learned so much. Like, I think one of the biggest things that he has taught me on this journey for me, I had to go and move away from self-sufficiency to learning to lean on the Lord. Um, I think that I, for so long, I was almost like, I don't need God because like I can do it on my own. <laughs> and I maybe, you know, didn't wholeheartedly think that, but there was a part of me that's like, I don't need someone to take care of me. I can take care of myself. I don't want to be a burden to somebody, um, let alone God. <laughs> um, and so I feel like he's taught me so much to um, to learn how to to submit, um, which I didn't like that word for a really long time. <laughs> um, but like in, in that relationship, um, in growing a relationship, I've learned that um, it's a beautiful thing to um, not have the plan, to, to submit, to surrender, um, to have peace in that surrender and to trust. I think for me, a, a huge thing was trust, um, trusting God, trusting myself, trusting others. And he's, um, he's taught me so much on this journey uh, about all those things. Yeah. So I'm hearing even too, like some of the fruit of your life is not just actual practical change externally, because you described it as a change from the inside out, but it's actually, despite the circumstances maybe being difficult or not knowing, not knowing with certainty, oh, I'm making this plan and this is the direction, these are the steps to get there. 
God's actually given you faith. He's given you trust. He's given you patience, self-control, joy, peace, and a peace <laughs> that surpasses understanding. These are fruit of your, these are the fruit of your life. You know, this is the fruit of your life that I'm, that I'm a witness to just outside in, you know, observing Savannah and I both. And I think it's just something that for people to understand, like when, when God gets a hold of your heart, and by the way, God will use money to get a hold of your heart. When God gets a hold of your heart, you might not, the, the, the next step is not always a blueprint plan. The, the next step is not always a straight line. This is where you go. In fact, what Hannah's describing, and I think it's really important, especially as it relates to the topic of money, is it's it's oftentimes a step away from self-sufficiency, which means you actually have to learn how to be okay without planning. Yeah. And it's this, it's this dance between having wisdom and walking by faith, having wisdom and walking by faith, having wisdom and walking by Holy Spirit guiding you, comforting you, challenging you, and actually being transformed by the renewal of your mind and having scripture lead you and guide you as Holy Spirit prompts you, those two things working together, spirit and scripture, so that you have a healthy spirituality. And having those two things lead and guide you, and that honestly looking very different than the way the world has taught you, the way the world has led you uh, to believe in all things, including the topic of money, and so even just Hannah, I wanted to ask you, you know, the Lord's provided for you. And so just if you can think back to, I don't know, one, two examples where you're like, I just never thought about money. Like that seemed out of control, crazy to me that I would have never, old Hannah would have been like, no, nah, that's not a thing or that's not me or whatever it is. Is there an example story yeah, yeah. I have, man, I have quite a few, but I think um, there's one that came to mind actually when I was like thinking about this call. And um, so I started tithing. Um, I don't really remember when, uh, but for a long time, you know, I was, I was making money and I was kind of like saving it away and um, would give, you know, here and there, but it wasn't until I started like tithing like regularly um, that I really started seeing like a lot of things happen in my life. And I always tell people like, it's not about prosperity gospel. It's not about like, again, transaction, like you do this, I do this for you. But I felt like back to fruits when I gave the Lord my first fruits that I saw more of, of the Lord's fruit in my own life. And, um, and when I say first fruit too, it's not even like, Oh, the leftovers, um, from, you know, from your income or whatever that looks like. It was always like, God, I'm going to give you my best first. And then I'm going to organize the rest of my finances and um, my expenses after that. And I'm going to give to you even when it doesn't make sense. And so I have a story, actually, this was like in, I don't know, I think it was like 2017 or something. And um, again, I was working sales and commission based, and they totally changed the structure of our commission. And so I was actually going to make like, way less um, from the projections that I had. And um, a lot of things were going to change. And then I knew at that point too, I was going to find an out. I was looking for another job. 
Um, but there was a lot of uncertainty in my career and my finances. And, um, you know, there was even a lot of fear in me a bit. And uh, it's funny because um, it was in January and it was the first of the year. And at church, we were doing this uh, fasting and prayer, uh, 30 days of fasting and prayer time. And I was doing it and um, God like really like put it in my spirit. He's like, again, like the way that God encounters us and speaks to us. Like, I just had this knowing God's like, Hey, I want you to give, I want you to give more than you've ever given. And I want you to give outside of your budget. I want you to give like this big sum of money. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like I'm like basically, you know, getting a demotion in a way with the way the structure is with my finances. I'm looking for a new job. I might be out of job in a bit. Like this doesn't make any sense. God's like, no, no, I want you to do it. And so, um, and how I always work with, with finances and, and with giving, um, outside of the tithe and things like that. Like, sometimes I'll just ask God, like, God, you know, what's the number? Like, can you just give me a number? And he'll give me a very clear number. So he gave me a very clear number and it was way more than I was like wanting to give. I was like, oh man, this is a lot. So I did, I gave it and I gave it to the church and, um, I didn't even know what they were going to do with it, but it was a large sum of money. And, um, and uh, it's funny because a year later, um, I, I looked back at my investment portfolio that I had, and I'm not kidding. Like, there is like this, like, X. And if you turn the computer sideways, it is a cross. And at, in that month in January, my portfolio just went skyrocketed for no reason at all. Like, you know, and it's like, um, I looked back at that and God just told me, he's like, yeah, I did that. And it wasn't because you did or, you know, back and forth. It's like, I just love you. And you were super faithful in me. And I didn't see the fruit of that until later when I was like looking back at my portfolio. But for me, that was a big moment uh, along this journey of finances and faith and trust in the Lord where I gave, um, um, out of faith and took a risk um, and betted on the Lord. And, um, that was one small yes. in my step of, of, in my steps moving forward. And it's funny because later he's called me to give even more than that. And even in times when I was making zero income, even in times when I was like, I don't even know where I'm going to stay tonight. Like, he's like, Hey, I want you to give this money <laughs> to somebody. Uh, he'll place on my heart. And, I'm like, I don't even know. And I've just learned to say yes. And he's called me to give way more, even from that original time. And it's just wild how um, it, it's it's blessed me to bless others. And even when it didn't make sense financially, you know, I guess from the budget and stuff. But it, it's funny how um, I'll give and then someone will be like, hey, like, I have this house that's open. Like, you want to stay here for three weeks? I need someone to house it. And I'm like, great. I didn't know where I was going to stay. <laughs> um, and so it's just funny. And, um, you know, sometimes we, we uh, you know, like um, sometimes not everyone has, I guess, um, that outward financial provision. You know, I would say sometimes it happens in other ways um, that we need provided for. Um, so not to say like out with the plan and, you know, just to be reckless, I would say always have a plan as best you can and a budget and steward your finances well. But also when God calls you to do crazy things, then um, 
just see what happens, you know, like, why not? Yeah, I'm hearing a few things. One is God provides in multiple ways. In other words, he's, he's honored generosity in your heart, which is, by the way, very different than generosity by deed, right? You know, God yeah. says, be a cheerful giver, not a reluctant giver. And people who you know, are reluctantly giving or guilt giving uh, oftentimes, you know, find themselves, I think, in worse situations than those who gave much less, but with a cheerful heart. And I say worse situations, not financially necessarily, but almost in their mind and in their heart and, and even in their will, the choices they're making, their soul. And, and God really wants our soul to prosper, our mind, our will, and our, and our emotions. And so I believe like some of, the, some of the insight you're giving, the revelation people can receive is really about like God cares about the motivation behind your generosity he honors and provides in multiple ways, not just through, oh, I give, therefore I get money. That's not the, the situation here. It's mm -hmm. actually just obeying God. And whether it's giving time, giving money, your treasure or talents, it's obeying God. And, and for me, like when it comes to the topic of giving at all, it's always around obeying God. And God honors uh, obedience. And, and I believe obedience actually commands blessing. Blessing is to empower you, not to fill your bank account. That might be a part of empowering, but it is to empower you to do what God is asking you, asking you to do. But also, he, he doesn't just ask you. He provides and then asks of you. And so it's like, you know, he's asking, Hannah, he's asked you to, to do some of the things that you've done. And he's also provided, for example, that home for three weeks. It's like, wow, okay, I get to actually have this space and time. And in this provision, God, what's really cool, and just I just was picking this up while you were talking. I'm going, wow, God actually used that then to bless them because your presence in that home, whether you're listening to worship, whether you're filling it with the presence of God, whether your prayer in prayer, whether you're fasting, whatever it is going on for you and your personal journey, and whatever you're leaving is actually a deposit for somebody else who's coming, who's coming back to their home. And that's the kingdom, guys. Like the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't come to bring religion. He said, he said the kingdom is at hand. He didn't say religion's at hand. Okay, like religious spirit bringing judgment to some of the things that are being described here without actually having an open heart to receive and ask Holy Spirit, how is this personal relevant to me? And then asking the Lord and Holy Spirit, Lord, can you show me in scripture how to back that up? Like that's that religious spirit can keep you from receiving in all kinds of ways. And I don't just mean in this conversation, but in all kinds of things. And I think understanding that the kingdom is like everybody wins, essentially. It's like it's 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 to bless you. It's to bless the other person. It's not, it's not a either or transaction. It's a mutual, mutually beneficial type of situation. And I've seen that happen over and over again. Hannah's stories are perfect examples of what that looks like in her life. And by the way, Hannah, like you being on the receiving end, I know you were talking about giving, but part of your journey and what you've been sharing is actually the revelation of receiving and you being on the journey of being able to receive blesses somebody else. I need a home. I need a place to, to live for three weeks. Oh my gosh, I get to receive somebody's offer. And guess what? That actually helps them. 
and I don't have to feel like a burden because I'm actually in need of a place to stay and they need somebody to be there. And because I'm being obedient to the Lord and I know I'm submitted to him, I'm not walking in this either or this question mark of am I in his will or timing? It's Lord, I'm submitted to you. Man plans his ways. You order my steps. So I'm just going to walk where you lead me, trusting that you'll be there because I've had so many experiences in the past where you've showed up, whether it was that one moment in the church setting and I looked at my portfolio a year later, whether it was this other instance, this other instance. And so all these small kind of um, interactions with the Lord really build that faith and trust. I always say forgiveness is free, trust is earned. And you've like, really, God's earned that trust from you. Not that he needs to earn it, right? But he's earned that trust from you through those smaller things. And then it seems like there's been greater things, as you've described, that he's asked later. But because that trust is there, you've been able to say yes to those things. And I bet he's not done with that. You know, I bet that there's a lot, I bet there's a lot more uh, that he would have or will have you, you speaking, you thinking, you doing as he trusts you um, to, to steward, steward those time, that time treasure talent um, that I mentioned earlier. I, I want to pause really quick, just because I know we've shared a lot. You've shared a lot of really powerful insight and so just anybody, if, if you're in the chat and you guys have any questions, um, if anything in particular resonates and you want to share that, go ahead and drop it in the chat. And if, you, if I see something, I can pull it up. Um, and also just want to share very quickly while we have everybody here. We're going to, if you're on YouTube, um, go ahead and subscribe to the channel for just any highlights. Um, on Facebook, you can do that too. If you want to sign up and stay connected for your first time here, if you want to learn more about coaching, um, we have our next boot camp starting January 31st, and we have a handful of spots open for that. Um, so we'd love to chat if that's something that's of interest for you. But um, yeah, otherwise, just if you guys had any questions, whether it's specific questions for Hannah, personal questions whether it's something that has been shared by either one of us. And you said, you know, I'd actually like to learn a little bit more about what you said there. Go ahead and leave that in the chat. I have a couple more. Um, yeah. Simple questions. I think Hannah can, can provide some thoughts and insight too. Um, Hannah, just real quick, like when it comes to the topic of money and when it comes to what you've seen, like what you've witnessed is God is doing in the church as the body of Christ, like the church, people church, not organization church. Um, what do you sense? And he, maybe even God's shown you this personally. Um, but what do you sense that he is doing or wanting to provide insight to speaking about to us? in this in this time of the world that we're in do you sense that there's anything um yeah i think that one of the things that i've been praying about is you know money's not bad <laughs> um sometimes you know people say you know money is the root of all evil um but also money is a resource that opens doors for a lot of people and can bring kingdom in a lot of ways and um, something that I was actually kind of thinking about and, and reading over even before this call was um, the parable of the talents. 
And um, how that story goes is that, you know, there's this master and he's sending his three servants on a journey. And this is from Matthew 25. And there's one servant that he gives five talents to. And talents are uh, the currency of the day, um, like coins, I guess you could say. Um, he gives another one two um, talents and then he gives one one talent. Well, the, the guys, the, the servants that got um, five talents and two talents, they went and they invested it and they got five more and they got two more to give back to their master. The other one went and just buried it. He buried the talent. He buried the coin. Um, and, um, and so later the master comes back and he's pleased with the two talents, you know, the two guys that, that gave him talents in return. But the last one that buried it, um, he's upset and, and, you know, it's like, why'd you do this? And I think that, you know, if Jesus is going to speak about a parable when it comes to money and, um, and growing it and, and seeing that the one that buried it, um, you know, is the one that uh, was kind of uh, not trusting the Lord, then I think the same goes for us that like we, um, need to see the things that we're given in this life and um and how can we grow them so it, it might not even be you know money it, it might be your talents like the the gifts that the lord has given you to steward to grow for the kingdom but if we bury it and um and even like our bank account like if we just let our money sit in our bank account with a really low return like you know, that means that you can give less. That means that, that maybe, um, you know, that, that you might be a little bit more limited than, than maybe what the Lord wants for you. And so I think that uh, maybe something to consider in your own prayer time. And I guess this isn't like financial advice or even, you know, um, the advice that, uh, that you have to kind of find on your own. It's like, what is God telling you about your money and how you spend it? And, um, I think that kingdom can be brought, um, you know, through resources. And I really feel that like there's a movement of God with business and missions, and that's a part of my heart. And I feel that um, the Lord wants to um, use business and use resources and finances in a way to, to bless his kingdom and to, to bring kingdom to those that, that don't know his name. Um, so that's some of the things that I've been thinking about and, and um, just praying into. Yeah, one of the things I love that, and I think it's interesting to think about. I had a conversation yesterday with somebody, and they were talking about the business missions combination, all of that. And I come from kind of like what I would describe as the business mercenary background we've talked about in the past. And then I kind of got the missionary heart and then went through this process of like merging skill sets with heart and motivation, God given heart, purity, and motivation, which, which, you know, then complementing that with a skill set of real like principle and 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 um, things that are really just frankly helpful um, in terms of the practice of building something, and it's it's been a struggle from earlier on rec reconciling the two of those things that you can actually have a pure heart and use skill sets, and I think that's kind of what you're hitting on with regards to even talents. It's like people, what I find is when you're not secure in your relationship with the Lord, you are afraid to build and grow things because if you are truly secure in your relationship with the Lord and not your own doing, but him and his relationship with you, then you're not afraid to engage in things that 
might benefit you and others because you know that the Lord is going to move through that. And what I mean by that is a lot of people find themselves, and I've gone through this journey myself, where it's you go through an experience where you were doing things from an impure motivation, unhealthy motivation, I'll call it. And then you say, well, God got my heart, and now let me go into this other direction. And oftentimes what happens is people leave a lot of the other things that they that God also provided in that journey uh, that he ordained in his timing. And they kind of neglect some of those talents, right? They neglect some of those things that they've learned, discovered, that experience, uh, whether it's a past job, whether it's, you know, education, whether it's all these other things that can actually really help them in this new direction. And I say help them, but help others, right? And it's mm-hmm. it's understanding that, like, when you become obedient to God, you become less concerned about other people's perception, if that makes sense. Uh, you become more concerned about whether or not you are listening and acting from what God's saying. And I think one of the most important things to recognize is that people, whether you're in the missions world or in the business world, uh, there's no difference between the two if you live your life on mission for the kingdom of God. We are all those who call themselves followers of Christ who truly confess with their mouth, believe in their hearts. We are on mission to bring the kingdom of God here on earth. And therefore, no matter where you are working, profession, vocation, you are on mission. No matter what kind of relationship you have with somebody, professional, personal, whatever, you are on mission. And mission is not conversion. Mission is the kingdom, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Like, that's the kingdom of God. And God will use things like money as a resource to bring righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. He will use things like money to do that. And he will use it through things like business. Uh, He will use that through things like your generosity. He will use that through things like Uh, missional movements. He will use it through all of those things and even through receiving yourself. And I think many times people take this topic and they think money is all about then just the other person, but it's actually what is God doing in you? And even just the engaging of recognizing, I say the engaging of like between two people, for example, if one person says they want to gift somebody else money, that is not about that person's relationship with me, for example. That is about that person's relationship with Jesus and my relationship with Jesus. It is not about that person and their relationship with me directly. It is first about their relationship and my relationship with the Lord. And that is the most important perspective shift that people need when it comes to thinking about money and being able to think about how to actually use your time, treasure, talents, not bury them like Hannah was mentioning right? It's like, it's not about all these other people. It's about your relationship with the Lord and what he's doing in you and through you. 
And I think if we capture that revelation, if we capture that understanding, if we get hold of it in our mind and our heart, man, it will change our choices. You know, Mm -hmm. it will change who we are. It'll change you as a person. It's changed me. And so anyway, I I share all that to say, I 100% agree that God wants to use our gifting. And we talked about privilege at the beginning of the call. Man, holy smokes, like how powerful is it when somebody can recognize what they've been given? It's like Hannah recognizes, oh my gosh, hang on. I'm not the only person in my life who was told to be hardworking, who then maybe had that twisted somewhere and then decided that I needed to be self-sufficient and then developed a particular relationship with money or a skewed perspective in my relationship with the Lord where I couldn't receive freely. And therefore, the revelation I've had, I get to share with others freely. And that's amazing. And now that is me bringing the kingdom of God to other people. But if I hold that, if I don't share that treasure, then what good is it? You know, that's burying your treasure. And so I think even just you showing up here, Hannah, is like a perfect example of of that testimony, live living example of, yeah, people get to actually receive from that. And that's unrelated to actually them receiving any kind of money from you, but it, but it's all tied together because it's all about the heart. It's all about the mind. It's our soul. And God really wants to see us prosper in our soul or be empowered in our soul. So anyway, I'll, I'll pause there because I don't know if you have anything else you want to share on that, but I have one last question for us before we close. Yeah. I'll just add to that too. You know, I think it's a huge mindset shift when you realize that your money is actually not yours. It's God's. And, um, you know, that, (laughs) that like, we just get to be a steward of it. And, um, and he does gift us with that. And also that like, um, yeah, where, where he blesses a lot. I think there's also, um, this trust in us that we will do with it. Um, that, also it lines up with the heart of God. So it's like, we, we love the Lord. Um, we don't love money, but because we love God, we want to give that money or we want to do as what God wants us to do with his money. We love him so much that we're going to follow his will. Um, and therefore he does give us and not saying that like, Oh, if you're not in God's will, then you're not going to be given, um, you know, money just kind of like with the, the talents, you know, it's like, why was one servant given five? Why was one given two? Why was one given one? Um, but he does encourage us to use what he does give us and to steward it well and um, to use the gifts that we do have. Yeah, I, I have um, a question just kind of around the idea of talents. One person in chat, Victoria, is asking, well, how do you finally commit to the Lord? Like, I think there's a good, simple explanation for this, but like, how Hannah, if you were to answer that question, just just even like submitting, okay, my time, treasure, talent, Lord, they're yours. How do you finally commit to Him and give that to Him? How do you finally commit to the Lord, Victoria? Hmm. Um. I think it's going to look different for everyone. It's going to look different for you than it does for me. Um. I feel like, and it's not like you do it one time. <laughs> You know, it's just like in a relationship with someone that you care about, um, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend or family member, like, you don't just say, hey, I'm going to be with you like this one time, like, it's an ongoing thing. It's a daily choice. 
um, it's a commitment that you have, like that's ongoing. It's a continuous process, um, as the host said, as Noel. And so, um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's it takes it does take like time and energy and and our giftings and pouring into it. And so I think um, for you, it's like that question, like in reverse, like what does that look like for you, Victoria? Maybe just praying about it, like God, will you highlight that to me? Like, will you speak to me in a way that shows me like what committing to you looks like? Maybe it's just like, hey, Victoria, I want to spend time with you. Like, I want to, you know. I'm, I just, uh, I want to go on a walk with you. Uh, maybe I want to, I want you to spend time in prayer with me. Maybe it looks like going over to someone at work and, and just saying, Hey, like, how are you? Like, maybe that's commitment. Um, it's going to look different for everyone, but I think just even being aware of, of that and asking yourself and God that and inviting him into that commitment is a further step, um, forward in that relationship, in that commitment to him. Hundred percent. I think there's a, a whole host of questions around the next question I'm reading here, but it's it's some of the effect of how do you find out your talent? Because I don't know, you know, I feel like I'm burying my own talents. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people might feel that way, especially early in the journey of self-discovery. Um, and it just quickly, I, I just want to touch on it for a second because I think a lot of people wrestle with this. But you, first of all, self-discovery is very much a process that doesn't happen at one age. It's a process that's ongoing. And so I think recognizing that self-discovery is ongoing takes a lot of pressure off, but there's a heightened level of self-discovery happening in your twenties. I would say that. And that's a biological thing as well with the prefrontal cortex being developed and understanding risk and reward that's in your brain. But as it relates to just the idea of discovering your talents personally, I think it's important to understand and go back through your story. And when you feel like you're burying your talents, part of that might be because God is prompting you to look at things differently, including your story and upbringing where people might have told you about things that are in fact your talents and they've uh, put a cap on them. They might have told you that those are not actual talents, that you can't do anything with those. And God will invite you to get a new perspective on your past. You can't change the past, but you can change your perspective. When you invite Holy Spirit in to actually look at your past, you get a new perspective. And he might show you different perspectives about your past, in particular, how you've looked at talents or things that you have been given to grow, to use, to multiply things in your life. And so I think recognizing that there's a prompting to look at your life differently as a starting point, And that's a good thing. And then asking yourself, what are the clues of areas of my life where I was excelling that I might've overlooked uh, because I was either not paying attention, I didn't have the awareness or somebody uh, spoke honestly death over those things. You speak life or death by the power of your tongue. And not everybody was empowered by those who surround them. And so I think it's important if God is prompting you to look at your talents or your treasure or your time to first go back and ask him for what are those moments like Hannah suggested earlier around just how do I commit to the Lord saying, Lord, what is, she said, well, what, what was, what does that look like for me personally, Lord? And then even just asking the same thing for your talents or your time or your treasure and saying, Lord, what does it look like for me personally to get a new perspective on my time or talents or treasure? Like, what do you see? Is there a memory in my past that you want to highlight to me? 
And oftentimes, if you ask Holy Spirit to help you, right, I've noticed, and I say oftentimes, like every time, I've noticed that God will slowly, it might not make sense at first, but he will slowly reveal things to you and he will sharpen your mind with the sword of truth. He will sharpen your mind with the Bible. And you just ask Holy Spirit, help me make this word of God, help me make the word of God become the life of the word of God. Help me make this go from just words on a page to something that actually brings life to my soul. And my soul is my mind, will, and emotions. And so understanding this principle Understanding the principle that Holy Spirit and Scripture work together and understanding that you have direction to bring questions to him, that is the simple act of coming to Jesus. That is the simple act of going through the process of transformation, and it takes time, and it's a continuous process, as Hannah mentioned. It's, it's, it's a process of actually deciding that this is something in your will that you want to do, which is commit to God, commit your life to God, not just commit to religious practices and become a church on Easter and and Christmas kind of person, but commit to God, not as a Sunday person, but as an everyday person and say, Lord, I just want you to fill me and I want my life to actually look like a changed life, like Hannah's story has been describing, right? She's been describing a testimony and testimonies of God's goodness and faithfulness, despite lack of clarity around circumstances. But really what she encountered was a living God who changed her perspective around one particular thing, let's call it money, because that's what we're talking about. But really, it was an overflow into everything, right? This was an overflow into all. If you're listening, guys, it's an overflow into all kinds of areas of her life. She's not just talking about money. She's talking about relationships, right? And even just the dynamic of being able to receive in relationships. Like, come on. Like, God is so good. God is so dang faithful and good. And he wants to see the things that really matter to him grow. And he will use things like money to help you prosper in your soul. And, and so I think that that's, um, if you guys are listening, you understand we're not talking about, hey, let's, let's get rich. That's not what we're talking about. We're not saying God is a God who blesses you uh, shown by your bank account. It's, we're saying God is a God who blesses you, which means to empower you. To, to prosper in your soul. And that might have many impacts in your life. So ripple effects, we call them. Um, Hannah, I wanted to just very quickly close on this. And I appreciate you just sharing your time, sharing everything, your heart, um, so much with us. But one practical money tip, one pra- I'm talking super, super, super practical money tip. Because you've navigated with a lot and a little. I'm not saying you have a little. I'm not saying you have a lot. I'm just saying in your story, you've had to navigate with not knowing. Do I have a lot or a little like at this time in my life because I just don't have foresight, right? Mm -hmm. So one practical tip, I think you personally had carried a lot of wisdom throughout these different circumstances. And I think it would be helpful if somebody could, could hear you talk not just about the faith that you've had, but the practical wisdom that you've also had. And you maybe overlooked it at the time being, but it really became a helpful tool. Yeah. Well, um, I I think a real practical for me that I've always lived by um, is I actually have always lived below my means, always. And um, I remember when I was going to college, uh, I picked University of Nebraska um, because I looked and I 
saw that person's average income that they made after they graduated and it was crazy. And then the cost of living was super low, all these things <laughs> that was, that went into my decision. But, um, when I was at Nebraska, um, I actually, so Warren Buffett, he lives in Nebraska, he lives in Omaha. And, um, I remember one day I was like, I'm going to go drive by his house <laughs> because I'm just curious. And I drove by Warren Buffett's house and his house was nothing spectacular. It was super ordinary. Um, it looked like maybe someone's grandma and grandpa lived there and they went golfing here and there sometimes, you know, nothing too crazy. And even um, in his driveway, there was like this old sedan. I don't know if that was his car, but it was nothing special. And I remember for me, that was like a big lesson in life. I was like, at that time, I was like, I'm going to make a bunch of money. I'm going to be rich. But if Warren Buffett is living that way and he's living in a way that um, is not super ostentatious or anything like that, then I could probably do that, too. And I've always thought that, too. It's like I always um, felt like no matter what, like I don't want to be someone who just has money um, to have it. Like I always wanted I don't know. I just always wanted to do something with it. So a practical thing um is can you live on a quarter of your income? Um, that became my goal from a very young age. Can I live on a quarter of my income? And um, even when I had a very little amount of money, um, like in college and stuff, because um, I was working my way through college a lot of times, um, I was like, can I live on just a fourth of it? And I always managed to do that. And how I did that was through budgeting. And um, I never bought things that... Don't, just, just don't buy things that you don't need. You know, I always had, is this a need or a want? And um, for the big things that I really wanted that maybe I didn't have the money for, I made a plan um, to save up for it. Um, and then I think another huge thing that I would share with anyone is invest and invest young and invest early. Um, because um, even if you have, um, again, if you're on a quarter of your income and you can, um, you know, uh, take some of that money and invest it, um, and not, I'm not saying day trading, just in like the stock market, like in an index fund that's following the S and P 500, um, the returns on that over time will be way more and outperform way more than your savings account. And then the biggest piece of advice is, um, it's not your money, you know, it's God's money. And so um, give him your first fruits, even from a very young age, even if you feel like you don't have money right now, um, if you can find a way to to give and, um, you know, maybe it's not a certain percentage. Like when I say tithe, that's usually meaning 10% of your income. Um, maybe that's not where you start. Maybe it's just like, just asking God today, like, God, like what, what of these first fruits um, is yours? And like, how can I give that to you? And I swear, well, I won't say swear, but I promise <laughs> that um, you will see the fruit of that in your life. And so I think that's one of the biggest pieces of advice I can give to anyone is um, give God the glory, um, you know, give him the treasure um, and let him just orchestrate the rest. Yeah, I love that. 25%, uh, live on 25% of your income, invest young. In other words, don't try and time the market. It's about time in the market. And uh, lastly, I mean, not that they're in order of priority, but lastly, of course, is give God the glory and just ask him what it looks like to give him your best and first 
and what that means to you personally, trusting that he'll guide you to um, what that looks like for you. And I think there's another question here um, where somebody's asking, do you think it's possible uh, God might guide us to live beyond our means at times? And I think the, the answer is uh, there's wisdom and faith, and those two things don't contradict each other. And people often think that they do. And so I think that there's a, um, I'll just speak very quickly from personal experiences about things that I've felt permission from God to, to do. And I think in the ways that I'd felt permission, it might not have been wisdom in the practical, the natural, but in the ways that God provided example, one experience I bought a jacket that was well beyond my means and I had never (laughs) bought a jacket well beyond my means. And I'm not kidding. I put on the jacket. My wife was my girlfriend at the time. I was so excited to show her. I I mean, I like waited two weeks for this. Okay. I'm not telling people to do this. I'm just, this is my personal journey. I waited like two weeks. I went back to the store like three times, you know, like one of those things. And (laughs) you know, just like walked around, went left, looked online, tried to find any opportunity I could get it on sale. Not a chance, but it was the perfect jacket, all this stuff. And I never really had like a winter coat that I had purchased for myself. The last coat I had had before that I had had for maybe seven or eight years. And that's, that's, there's great. You know, I got good wear out of it, all of that. But the, the thing that happened is I put on this jacket to show my girlfriend at the time because she knew but she was in the whole process and um, and I actually started crying. And I didn't know that this coat was bringing this like deep inner healing. It wasn't about the coat. It wasn't about the money. It was about I had felt guilty for having a jacket because of something that had happened when I was younger and I didn't even know it. And God used that and gave me what I felt like was permission to actually just do the thing that I really wanted in my heart, even though I didn't have the money for it. I'm not suggesting that that's wisdom. I'm not. But what I am suggesting is that that faith brought a lot of healing that I'll never look at those decisions and that kind of process the same. And to me, you know, it's very different to look at it with a jacket than it is with a home with, you know, where you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars and, you know, bigger, bigger, bigger things. So I think the wisdom there is, you know, uh, are your basic needs met? And, uh, you know, is <laughs> it, are you taking care of the things that are, that are most important and practical just as a starting point? But uh, I can tell you, you know, for a later time, that journey um, is very much a personal journey and I think it's important to, if you're ever in question, to just seek wise counsel of somebody that you choose to give authority. You choose to give authority to speak into your life financially. Uh, I would say that is not something to give to everybody. I think that there are certain people that are more trusted people that actually can be those people for you. Um, but I would say with anything, even those people you want to filter through the lens of your personal relationship with Jesus, it all comes back to him. And I think Hannah's story and Hannah, your tips at the end, even just like some of those practical ones about 25, living on 25% of your income, man, I'm like, wow, I've never actually thought about that. Me personally, I've thought about saving 20% of pre-tax income. I've never thought about living on 25% of the income. And I think even just that perspective for me 
and just even the Lord sometimes will bring up some of these things and he'll say, Hey, like, what is, what, what is, what is it that I might be showing you TJ through that new idea or new thought? Um, even those practical things definitely uh, apply when it comes to your relationship with Jesus. So I hope that you guys really, really were able to grow. And for those of you who, um, you know, are listening now and made it all the way through. Thank you guys for being here. And please go ahead and share this with somebody if it helped you. Share this with somebody that you think about, maybe with a family member, a friend, coworker, somebody that comes to your mind, um, because we really believe God wants to use it to empower more people. So uh, thank you guys. We appreciate you being here.